Mini Episode 1341 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Had night one been night two, I actually think we'd have felt better about this whole thing because it would have been our lasting memory. Night two being so god-awful relative to night one. Night one jacked up the expectations. But even after that, Jake, I was looking at it like, I think night two is going to be what I expect it to be, which is not much. And that's exactly how it played out. I I, I didn't know, none of us did, how they were going to try and tackle this crap in the first match. The the straight-up wrestling match, catch-as-catch-can between Randy Orton and The Fiend after a blood feud where one man allegedly got burned to death. Uh, with Alexa Bliss and uh, and a box-like uh, device, as I I think uh, didn't uh, Byron Saxton called it. Yeah, Byron Saxton referred to that, and that uh, again. Uh, no, no, it was, it was a box-like structure. Box-like structure. Yes. Yes. Otherwise known as a box. Yes, and uh, yeah, but that's uh, typical WWE. Why say in one word what you could say in three or four? But. Uh, this this match, and then it ends with the distraction finish with the motor oil apparently pouring out of the head of Alexa Bliss. Uh, and that was, uh, you might want to get that oil changed, by the way, because that oil was looking to be pretty dark there. Uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of road grease in there. But uh, for, for whatever this was, and apparently they're going to do a turn, nothing like doing a thing where somebody turns on whoever they're associated with but we're in the era where there are no intergender matches, so it's not like they can pay it off in the ring. By the way, it's not like Alexa Bliss would be somebody you could pay off against The Fiend. Nia Jax, maybe, but not Alexa Bliss. So, as far as what the payoff is going to be for this, who the F knows? I don't even think they were thinking about that. Uh, all we know is that the guy who got to stand tall in the end is the one who tried to commit murder by burning the other one to a crisp, and isn't that a feel-good moment for the kiddies? Okay. Okay, this entire thing, first of all, uh, I'm going to take things back a little bit on this (laughs) new comparison. The only other long-term epic storyline I can think of that comes close to this is Kane and the Undertaker. I was there at WrestleMania 20, okay? Or, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to the one, not WrestleMania 20, I'm going to go back to the one prior to that in 1998 at the Royal Rumble. Kane put the Undertaker in a casket and he lit him on fire, right? The Undertaker came back at... um, uh, Monday Night Raw in Cleveland. No one questioned it. You know, went on to WrestleMania, beats his brother, whatever. Okay. Now I'm going to fast forward again to a similar storyline of at now at WrestleMania 20. Now just imagine when the, the Undertaker makes his triumphant return as the Dead Man at WrestleMania 20. If he gets in the ring and he's got Kane set up for the tombstone, everything goes the same except he looks over and Paul Bearer has grape juice coming out of his head. <laughs> Paul Bear's like, ha ha ha, and laughs and disappears. That's 
got here. And uh, <laughs> to do this, but a funny story on this. So um, my better half is a huge fan of uh, of the Fiend and Alexa Bliss, as you well know. Mm-hmm. So when she she posted on Facebook, all excited, waiting all this time for him to come back, and he comes back. And mind you, this is the same guy who got hit with thirty, got his head bashed in by a mallet, got hit with thirty-seven stomps from Seth Rollins, was lit on fire, was not only knows whatever else happened to him, maybe, just maybe, Rick, we have underestimated the three most dangerous <laughs> letters in all of sports entertainment: VKM. Yeah. Because the only reason why this match ended the way it did was so Vince could throw his, ah, ah, you didn't do that, I'm not going to get you. No, because it doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This match should have been, I can even buy into the theme resurrecting in his own form. Okay, yeah. cool, whatever. You know, again, the Undertaker died and lit people on fire and close to the heavens and all that stupid crap. Whatever. It's been a staple in WWE. I'm not that. It's, what gets me is stupid booking. Where it's like, the, this match, as I told you before, should have been t- 10 minutes with intros out. Goes in there, everything Randy Orton tries, he hits the RKO, Fiend just stands right back up, gullets him, done, the end. Perfect storytelling, Randy Orton can go away, but no, instead we get this horse crap that is like, you know, oh, they're never going to see it coming. Like, yeah, we're never going to see it coming because it doesn't make any damn sense. Right. You built this thing all the way up to this point to go, eh, nope. Screw you, which we apparently, which you would later find out is going to be the theme of night two. But uh, and we should have known it right off the bat when he started with this and go like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Like again, it goes back to the tag team turmoil match with women. You just wasted all of our time. Like because God knows Randy Orton needed elevated in that situation. Yeah, you know the fifteen time champion who has been who has not had the time off during the entire pandemic, who's been there the entire time during the Thunderdome era. It's like, yeah, because he needed that victory, you know? It's like, and every time, I don't know how they can really, like, uh, I'll put it this way. Um, I told you that our, our buddies and friends of the show, uh, Adam and Church, were at uh, the show live. Yeah. Adam texted me, he goes, I can't believe I just saw that. I, he, he texted me from the show and said, I can't believe I just witnessed the death of the scene live. Dead. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Like, coming from people that were at the show. He's, He's buried. Done. What do you do with him? You do some Firefly Funhouse things. It's it's hilarious because it was the exact same problem that was before where he was the year of worlds where he talked all this game and everyone loved his promos and then he just lost. Yeah. Nothing changed. He just dresses like he just dresses up like a silly clown now instead of, you know, some swamp cult leader. Yeah. You do all this build up and then you know, he's supposed to be this unbeatable thing, but he can't beat Goldberg and he can't beat Randy Orton. Give me a break. Yeah. I it just I, I'm going to co-sign everything you said right there, and it was just the, the entire thing. As far as the Russo-esque nature of the swerve, brother, they'll never see it coming. Not since Canyon helped Mike Awesome after he tried to murder him in the rafters in Kansas City in 2000 WCW. By, by the way, such great taste by WCW to try to reenact uh, the Owen Hart real-life tragedy in Kansas City. But anyways, the whole thing of, like, they'll never see it coming. This was Russo-esque booking at its finest. I hope he got a royalty check for this one. And, uh, yeah, it served no purpose. And, uh, again, where they're going to go from here, who knows and who cares. And, and the crowd, the crowd was clearly behind the fiend. Yeah. You know, they were into his shit. Yeah. Like, you know, my, like, like I said, my girlfriend, who could take her leave 
person. She doesn't give a crap about a four and a half star Seth Rollins D Cesaro match. That doesn't mean anything to her. But a Firefly Funhouse gives Alexa Bliss of a beam. Yeah, she finds it entertaining because she's into the character. Yeah. And there are people out there. Not everyone are smart marks like us that are like, you know, what a great work rate match or anything like that. They just like to see what they what entertains them. It's the reason why Hulk Hogan was over for so long. And it only takes so long of when people get behind something and this, for the sake of his ego, is the only thing at this point I can really think of. Because it isn't to draw money, clearly. It doesn't need to draw money because, well, number one, he doesn't know how to draw money anymore. Um, he just pretty much just, you know, gets his money from maybe the billions of dollars from networks and whatnot. Because obviously, you know, stuff like this, it, you know, it's, just imagine any other line of work where the audience was telling you, like, hey, we're totally behind this, and the people in charge went, no, you were you behind this? Screw you for liking this. Yeah. Like, this is pro. I actually, she, uh, uh, I'm going to use her as an example again. She just shared a thing on her Facebook. She's like, what the? Like, he, he came back for all that and lost? And I just posted the gift of Vince McMahon laughing hysterically. Yeah. Like, no, I'm sorry, babe. It's your first time, huh? Welcome to my life. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what it is. And I'm sorry. I, I, I wanted to be, you know, the, the meme of, um, what's his face, James Franco, with being hung. First time, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, again, you know, at this at this stage of his life, and and this has been the case probably for close to twenty years now, uh, Vince couldn't draw money if you gave him green construction paper and magic markers. So this is just proving it yet again. And uh, so uh, Randy Orton goes over. Who knows? Who cares? Uh, they, they tried to salvage this on Monday yeah, night, but whatever. I, I can't wait for that sixteen-time champion Randy Orton read to happen. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking forward to uh, less, that or 16-time women's champion Charlotte Flair. But uh, oh, more, that's gonna happen next week. Yeah, more, more about that uh, later. Speaking of women, we're going to blessedly skip over this tag team match because we jumped on a grenade by talking about it before. So Nia and Shayna go over, enough said. Next up, I gave this one three and a half stars. I thought it was really good. Fight forever, baby. Kevin Owens defeating Sami Zayn with Logan Paul. You have the shenanigans afterwards. Logan Paul shoves Sami Zayn, takes a stunner from Owens. Uh, as I said, search it out on YouTube. The all-time classic Sami Zayn post-match promo. Uh, a great storyline. And again, for as, for as much garbage as they're doing in this company, and Kevin Owens was just sort of here, right? It was just a thing of like, oh, hey, he's got a long history with Sami. He's doing nothing for WrestleMania. Let's retrofit him into this. And it worked for these purposes. But it is Sami Zayn's character and storyline that carried this entire match-slash-feud and, and will going forward. What they're doing with Sami in a company that is creatively bankrupt, as I said, this is one of the two or three things in the entire company that is just really awesome right now. Yeah, we talked in depth on the preview show about how much you know, we were into the, the Sami Zayn character yeah. and what they're doing with him. And I agree with you. And I, I thought this was the second-best match of, of all of WrestleMania. It's one of these things where I know we talked about this 
on the WrestleMania preview that the, the test of how great Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn really are is that this feud now takes this fresh incarnation of Kevin Owens as the babyface, Sami Zayn as the heel. I mean, they've, they've flipped this thing on a dime from the version of this that we were used to seeing, and it works just as well either way. It doesn't matter who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. They have incredible chemistry. They made it happen. It was awesome. Uh, chemistry is something we won't be uh, talking about as much when it comes to the next match, the U.S. title match. Sheamus defeating Riddle for the U.S. championship. Don't call him Matt Riddle in 1050. Uh, a match that was just there for me. I thought the wrong guy went over. I'm not a Sheamus guy, unlike you. Uh, I just think he's incredibly stale. I don't think there's any kind of future with him. With Riddle, there could be. But, I mean, you know, for, for Sheamus to be holding one of their titles, even if it's a mid-card title in the year 2021, I don't care. I just really don't. And, uh, again, it shows you what they think of Riddle. He's a young guy who could get over on his own. But much like his spiritual forefather, Rob Van Dam, if you get over with the crowd on your own, this is the uh, treatment that you end up getting. Uh, yeah, and speaking of uh, Rob Van Dam, it was uh, one of the things that I never thought in my life I would see, especially after the whole Iron Kid Ohio thing. Uh, <laughs> Rob Van Dam handing out RPG rolling papers at WrestleMania. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, man, how things have totally changed. And I'm like, I was in the backstage promo, and I'm like, uh, I think Keita was like, is that his dad? I'm like, it could be. <laughs> <laughs>
present him as he's like this stoner hippie guy, like not a legit badass from the UFC that has a pretty stellar MMA record that could actually kick your butt. They don't, they never mention that stuff, but you know, Sheamus, tougher than tough. They, bring, they make sure, you can definitely tell night two who their boys were. Well, <laughs> who yeah. Who their guys are. The, yeah. You know? Well, and and when you're when you're mentioning all the calamitous verbs that may or may not have happened to Keith Lee, I think you forgot one. De pushed that one's in there potentially as well in that stack. But uh, this this match again, uh, I, I gave it uh, two and three quarter stars. I must have been feeling generous. I, I wasn't feeling as generous watching this next one, the Nigerian drum fight for the other mid card title, uh, the Intercontinental Championship. Apollo Cruz defeating Big E. Uh, and in a match where, again, it looked like Big E was just going to roll over him for the millionth time. So it's basically the worst of both worlds here because you you, you, ha- you make it look like Apollo Crews was going to eat his approximately two dozenth loss in a row to Big E, even with the change in gimmick, only to have him be saved by an outside guy, which I'm given to understand is the repackaged Dabakato of Raw Underground's past, I believe. So... Yeah, and, and the announcers had no idea who he was, which was really funny because they must have said his name 700 times on Raw, especially Michael Cole. Who is this guy? I'm like, it's not a Kato. Yeah. Or as, um, or, or as he just said, uh, it's some giant who raided a thrift store and could only find an old band costume and an army jacket. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... I mean, I, I was having flashbacks to the Jackal's Truth Commission, which I'm guessing is not what they were going for, but uh, it, nevertheless, I mean, again, the worst of both worlds. Again, I had to be feeling generous to even give it us two and two quarters star or two and a quarter stars. Uh, it, it just, again, there had to be a way for Apollo Crews to go over that made him look like slightly less of a geek, but. Uh, they apparently didn't have any interest in uh, doing that. More important to protect the guy who's losing than the guy who's winning. And, and and more about Big E losing when we get to the main event, because he's a guy who had been mentioned potentially for a main event spot at this WrestleMania. But yeah, you and I were not much enamored of this. This next match, I will... Hang, hang on, I did have something going into this on uh, the last match. Though, okay. From night one, it kind of fits in with this match too. It's time to see I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon recently watched Black Panther before he was booking WrestleMania. Yeah, he probably was. Like, I'm just, I'm pretty convinced of that, because if you look at it, I hate to say it, but I'm like, you know, I got a great idea. I watched the movie, The Black Panther, Triple H being like, uh, you mean like the movie about like the protest group in the 70s? No, I was watching it with the grandkids. It's about the guy in in Africa, and he fights people. It's brand new. And doing this whole thing and be like, we're going to get the actors from the movie to be in, in their corners. Uh, Vince, we need to talk about something here. We got to tell you this. Like, um, well, we're going to repackage Apollo Cruz. He's from Wakanda. You can't do that, Vince. It's owned by Disney. What? We're not owned by Disney yet? Okay. Um, fine. He's from, looks at a map, Nigeria. With him from Nigeria. And he's Wakanda forever. Like, no, you can't do this. Vince. Fine, we'll put the belt on him. Everybody will love it. That'll be a Nigerian drum fight and they'll beat each other with kendo sticks. That's going to be every other street fight they do. Yes, but there'll be drums at ringside. It's brilliant. You, you, you can watch Black Panther. You just know. <laughs> first of all, that's that's an awesome VKM riff. That that was star quality right there. You just know that when they told him that Wakanda was owned by uh, Disney, that his next question was, well, what's the equivalent fictional African nation that is owned by Peacock. Is there one? So Vince had to have, 
he had to have asked that question before settling on the real country of Nigeria. And I guess, I mean, look, I, I had Apollo Crews on the Indies was something that I had heard about more than seen about as far as hearing how great he was. Supposedly, this was uh, a riff on, on something that he was doing on the Indies previously and uh, probably in much better fashion than this watered down kind of version here and having to do an insulting fake accent uh, that just insults all Africans everywhere. But, uh, yeah, this, this match was, uh, and, and again, you know, you got uh, almost, almost, whatever, the previous night that they're pushing as the new giant. This guy, uh, you know, they're, they're pushing as the new giant. Uh, and so at least they're on different shows, so there's that, I guess. But both members of New Day uh, going down to the, uh, the new big giants from each show for whatever that's worth. So... Uh, I don't know if that rinse, re, WWE booking rinse repeat just make worse. Yeah, yeah. It, it and, and this is the this is the infinitely worse version of what they did previously the night before with uh, HBK Diesel two K two one in in their match. But uh, the next match here, perhaps I was uh, overly generous. You you may think. I had it rated as high as Owens and Zane. I had it at three and a quarters or three and a half stars. Rhea Ripley defeating Oscar for the championship, and I said going in, this match doesn't have the build that it deserves to have, but I knew it needed to be a star-making match for Rhea Ripley. I thought that it was. Uh, it's a thing where you knew she was going over, not least of which because she got her own theme song. But it's like. I have to say, though, my only criticism is any theme song that a non-musician like me could potentially sing and perform might be a little bit too simplistic for the big stage. But uh, this is my brutality. Okay, I, I get it. I get it. It's the only line. It is. It is. I mean, it's, you know. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, I hope you're not getting paid by the different verse because you're, you're only getting paid for those couple words there, but. So, uh, again, I may have some questions about Hell, this. Hell, I would have rather heard Asuka's theme song live. At least that had some words. Yes, and, and her theme song live, you know, would have been performed with a certain flair to it, uh, much like any of the time that uh, Nakamura's were. Uh, hers would have been uh, really pretty interesting. But, uh, again, the right person went over, and that's even though, unlike Sasha Banks, Asuka did not get to have uh, a really uh, vaunted kind of title reign here. But uh, she she did a tremendous job here in helping to elevate a new star. I'm a big Rhea Ripley, Mark. I think she's a big part of the future of this company. So much like what they did with SmackDown, much like what they did uh, the previous week in, uh, at the NXT TakeOver show with elevating uh, Rachel Gonzalez. Uh, and, of course, the three of them coming together for their curtain call on NXT this past Tuesday, the first night on Tuesday. I thought that was a great moment having the three of them there together because it is important to establish. You have the generation of the horsewomen, and you have also Asuka kind of fitting into that group there. But I think you have the breakthrough now with these three women coming up. And, and to a certain extent, I don't know where Io uh, Shirai fits uh, into that. Uh, she's somebody that had been established in the time in between the horsewomen and now. But to have three new big-time women coming along at a time like this, I thought worked great. And uh, again, the match was not as good as the women's match the night before, not least of which because it didn't carry nearly the emotion 
that it did. The Bianca Belair-Sasha Banks match, I mean, that was probably at least about 80 to 90% of like Rock Hogan as far as emotion went. There was a lot of emotion in that match. This one didn't have as much. But but as, as far as two hosses beating the crap out of each other, laying it in, and uh, having an excellent match, uh, I was down for it, buddy. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'd put it right up there, you know, with uh, Owens and Zane. Also, it was a little different story, but an equally as entertaining story. Um, the right person went over. I, you know, I kind of feel for Asuka, though, because she's been in a situation where, like, I think she's also 0-3 at WrestleMania, now that I'm thinking about it. She went from this undefeated streak to, she lost to Charlotte Flair. I'm pretty sure she lost the women's tag team titles last year to yes. Elizabeth and Cross, yes. and she lost this year. So she was undefeated, badass at NXT, and now she can't win on the big stage. But you know Maybe what, though? Sasha Banks, she heard Sasha Banks should face off next year. Someone, though, has got to go. Well, <laughs> exactly. But the, he, here's the uh, thing, though. I uh, mean, I'm sorry. And I'm big fans of both Sasha and Asuka. I say this as sort of a consolation to seeing both of them lose. You would never believe, if you, if somebody didn't put the stat in front of you, you would never believe that neither one of them had won at WrestleMania. They are as close to bulletproof as there is. Either one of them can take yeah. a loss like this, bounce back, and it does not affect their legend any. So I hear you on that, but I don't think people necessarily think of Asuka as being a loser because of this. I, honestly, I think people looked at what was... No, a, I don't think anybody thinks they're being a loser. But it was... Sure, but and, and I I think if anything, she suffered more for being champion through a very lackluster booked uh, reign that she had there. She deserved better as champion, and uh, I, I certainly hope that the next time that she's champion, uh, that they have a better pool of competitors to work with uh, her. And uh, I, again, I, I wouldn't fart at seeing her get the title back from Rhea at some point here. Although, as we know, it'll probably end up being Charlotte. Uh, you know, Vince being Vince. And they'll both get uh, oh, frozen yeah, out. Be, it's it's going to be Charlotte. It's been, it'll probably be Charlotte as soon as the next paper. Yeah, and they'll both end up looking uh, looking up at the lights uh, to her, maybe both at the same time, right? Which takes us to the main event, which uh, I... Oh, I, oh, hang on real quick. Before you get to the main event, yeah. um, you, you know, you just mentioned how great Asuka... Asuka did the best that she could during the... Uh, for the past year, you know, carrying, you know, the uh, Raw Women's Championship. And, you know, quite frankly, almost, I mean, other than that one, what, one three-week spell or whatever it was, she was champion for almost, you know, uh, almost the entire year, the entire time. Yeah. And, you know, I'm happy for her that she was given a uh, special moment. She was given a, a main event match, not a main event, but she was given a title match at WrestleMania. And there is something to be said about, you know, doing the honors of dignity and putting, I think, as a, you know, we've been fans long enough to know there's a lot that goes into also making somebody and putting over somebody. Yeah. And I think Asuka did a really excellent job of putting over and showing how, you know, putting over Rhea Ripley as much as she could as this, you know, boss that beast that could stand and go toe-to-toe with her, which is a lot more, because I know you're going to gloss over this moment, but I'm not going to, <laughs> which is a lot more that could be said for Bailey, who got absolutely screwed both nights, and it ended with, mind you, Bailey, who was the SmackDown Women's Champion for almost an entire year uh, before losing to Sasha. Actually, it wasn't enti- over an entire year before losing to Sasha, and then was also the Tag Team Champion, so she was doing both shows for a long time. What was her reward for, you know, being, basically being two of the, one of the hardest workers during the entire uh, Thunderdome and pandemic era, going back to the um, 
Performance Center before they got into the Thunderdome. What was her award reward at WrestleMania? She got to walk out there and get slapped by the flippin' Bella Twins. Yeah, and uh me a break. Well sure. You know, you got a great talent of can you do something with her? Like, you know, um no. Uh, or even give her like, you know, a ding dong hello. Like when she came when they did the thing, when she walked out there and she interrupted Titus and um uh, Hogan, who was really funny to see Hogan get food all night. By the yes. way, I really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, I do believe my buddy Yuri has a great idea. What creative idiot was it? the thought of me was a good idea to dress Hulk Hogan up as a damn pirate? And right. I just texted back a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> and when she came out there, I thought, okay, she's going to go out into the ring, whatever. And, you know, even my buddies who were there, they thought maybe she'd do like a ding dong hello, which would have been great, but it would have been something. And like Becky Lynch was going to come out and beat her up. Yeah. That would have been something. Yes. You know, it would have been like a moment. People would have been like, okay, cool. You know, Becky Lynch is back. You know, she beat her up. Nope. It was just a stupid Bella Twins came out there and pushed her down the ramp at the end. I agree. Like, are you kidding me? Well, that's the Hall of Fame Bella Twins to you, Jake Digman. But uh, as, as far as they're in the Hall of Fame and Daniel Bryan's not, like I said, that tells you everything you need to know about the company. And uh, I think it was, I think it was night two. I mean, having that moment where Hulk was saying something in his intro and Titus was like, you can't say that. Gee, the last time somebody said that to Hogan, it was when he was talking about people who looked like you, Titus. So there's that part. Oh, of it. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that, and I looked over at her, and I go, I can't believe they went there. I know. Because what else are you implying with this? Yes. There's only one thing you could possibly be implying with that. Yeah. And it's like, you can't say that. It's just like, uh... Uh, what awkward? This just became. It was already awkward as a, enough as it is, and you said Hulk Hogan standing out there with the most black man, black man of, and I mean that as a compliment of the guy who does so much charity work for you know uh, the WWE, who's involved in so much stuff to help you know inner, not just not just the black community, but like inner city communities, and really communities in general, uh, special needs, right? All sorts of stuff, and you sent him out there with the guy who's. No, no racist who got fired and Chris Benoit for a while. And I mean, I believe somebody said, could the WWE be any more tone deaf? Well, like, exactly. This whole thing on night one where you have like, you know, this magical moment, two, two, two black female wrestlers for the first time ever main eventing a WrestleMania for the Women's Championship. And then you do this stupid thing where you, you, you trot Hulk Hogan out there. Did anybody need to see Hulk? Did Hulk Hogan need to host this WrestleMania? He didn't, he didn't sell a ticket. He didn't do a damn thing for the, for the uh, you know, his stupid lies that he was given, which were clearly rehearsed. Nothing that that man said is anything that Hulk Hogan would have ever said, ever. I agree. Except for brother, because he said, he said brother 700 times, and even I was uncomfortable when he kept looking at Titus and calling him brother. Well, yes. I was like, and, 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 like, man, I was like, I'm sorry, go away. Like, you could have had your little moment with, you know, Hulk Hogan coming out, or the NWO fight. Yeah, that's it, you're here, sweet, too sweet, whatever. Let Titus host the whole show. You know, if you're going to do this whole, we're, you know, we're moving forward, we're recognizing, you know, the mistakes we've made in the past. Look what we did, you know, we had, we had you know, uh, the crowning, I think, was born minority champion. People, a person of color is champion now than at any point in WWE history or something to that effect. It's like, we're recognizing and we're, you know, we're seeing things, but at the same time, we show how tone deaf and stupid we are by sending out, you know, sending this guy back out there in the crowd. Let him know. They were like, dude, we don't want to see him. Right. And that's the thing where, I mean, Titus, them having Titus say, you can't say that, Hulk, that's, as they say in the world of writing, turning the subtext into text. We're all thinking that Hulk is out there 
uh, a guy who dropped N-bombs, and they paired him up with a black guy for, for whatever reason because they thought it would be a great idea. I mean, you know, as long as they're going to go there, uh, why didn't they night one have Hulk Hogan talk about the main event of Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks by saying, I'm sure my daughter Brooke would probably like watching something like that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. You know? It's just, it's just it's the stuff that this company does. But again, this is the same company that also had Randy Orton go over the beat. So well, obviously, yeah. they don't, they're, they're, you know, Vince is like, hey, welcome back audience. I'm going to shit on you now. Exactly, exactly. And, this is this is perhaps an awkward segue uh, here since since we're talking about another black guy, but Big E, I'm going to use this as an example of uh, pro wrestling and one of the problems in the modern kind of a thing here in terms of timing is that Big E, had they a couple months ago gone in their direction and sort of heated him up, he could have been a guy to come into WrestleMania and potentially take the championship, but it didn't happen. They really had a couple ways that they could have gone. They would have had to have started several months ago if it was going to be Cesaro. But basically, they picked Edge, and I don't know if there was ever a thought of giving Edge the belt, but when, when he sort of started to, and again, I blame the direction more than anything else, uh, with, with, with morphing him more towards being a heel, Daniel Bryan uh, had been treated as a geek far too much recently here in terms of a lot of, he's been very selfless as far as putting other guys over, but when you go to put him in the main event of WrestleMania, uh, that would have been uh, microwaving at its finest. So in the end, what you end up getting is Roman Reigns, the real feel-good moment at the end of WrestleMania, going over. Now, I did regard this by a slight margin as the best match of night two. This is where I disagree with you. I'll still give it four stars because I didn't like the finish. Uh, it, it, we'll see. By the time we're taping this, we still don't know, but there's a chance, at least based on some of the Twitter interactions here, they may go in the direction of Edge actually pinned Daniel Bryan, so maybe they go that it's a disputed finish uh, because of the way that Roman had him laid out. So possible they left the door open to a, a you know a, a rematch where you know Adam Pierce could you know scrap iron Adam Pierce five time NWA World Champion Adam Pierce could possibly uh, dictate a rematch on that basis. I thought the match was really excellent. There were great spots. I know you had to be loving as I did the headbutting spot between uh, Daniel Bryan and Edge when they both had Roman Reigns in a submission hold. And, uh, again, there was just a lot of things that they did really, really well. They, they, it seemed to have less of the one guy lays around while the other two guys do all the work, and then, they, you know, another guy comes in and they take turns laying down. It seemed to have less of that than usual. I thought it was a really, 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 really good match. Uh, but, again, the finish of it, it just proved to me they didn't have anybody ready. Roman's been the champ since SummerSlam. And they didn't have anybody ready by WrestleMania to take the belt off of them. And I don't know if they were going to take the belt off of them. That's the thing. And I see a lot of people out there clamoring for him to break Brock's record and for him to hold on to the belt till next year at WrestleMania. And I'm not against that idea. Um, I especially I was now the finish to this was something you, you, you kind of alluded to. He pretty much buried both of them. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the concerto, and they're both taken out. Here's my issue why I didn't like this as much as the previous matches. And maybe this is just a thing. I've seen this before. It's a typical overbooked WWE cluster triple threat main event. That, you know, you have the Jey Uso running in, keep getting involved, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what's this? this Jey Uso could keep running in and getting involved. What's to stop everybody from getting involved? Why don't you all go with her then? And, I mean, if anyone was to protect Roman, okay, he didn't really need protected coming 
uh, I don't know, I just, it just seemed a little off to me when I was watching it. There was just something about it that I was like, okay, it's going to be, and you said, like, you know, uh, you didn't think they did the typical way to run for the next spot. I pretty much watched it thought that all they were doing was really? up to okay. the next spot to take place. Yeah, so it's okay. just like, Yeah, your, your mileage may vary. <laughs> you know, but it's like, I, I the ending to it was like, okay, again, it goes back to the, the, my, my thing with the, the scene match and pretty and the women's tag team title match. You just, we just wasted our time. <laughs> you know, we had this whole, Edge, Edge hasn't done, been here for 10 years, whatever he's been out for. It was 10 years to the day yeah. that he gave up the world championship. Yeah. It's like, really? You couldn't, you couldn't have had Edge pin Daniel Bryan yeah. And with that happy feel good, like, okay, 10 years, like, you know, 10 years to the day, this just shows that if you, you know, can't believe it in yourself, or believe it in anything can happen, blah, 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 whatever. The happy sure you're supposed to be healed, but no one would have remembered that. It would have been a happy feel good moment to end it. Instead, it just WrestleMania ended flatter than a pancake. Roman pins them and goes, that's it, I win. The end. Like, okay, thanks for coming, bye. Cool. <laughs> um, if there was ever a tale of two polar opposites, it's night one versus night two. Yeah. You know? Night one, send the crowd home happy. Night two, and it's interesting that the show itself was bookended by the heel, men's heel world champion on one show going over and the men's heel world champion on the other show going over when, as a point in time, that never would have taken place at a WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, we, we went... Uh, through the first 15 WrestleManias without one heel world champion winning. We had two of them in one night. You're right about this. And it's a thing where, at the end of the day, it's Roman going over just like he has every time he's been in a main event since uh, winning the title back. Uh, at uh, uh, This was the 2020 version of Tuesday in Texas when they did a pay-per-view the week after SummerSlam. But uh, as far as it goes here... I forgot they did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 always, I always thought he won the belt at SummerSlam. I completely forgot that he won the belt like the next week. Yeah, it was, it was a mystery kind of a uh, thing of, of him running. It was the SummerSlam you'll never see coming. Okay, yeah, I mean, you know, a point well taken. We didn't. Uh, I mean, the fact that they gave him the Benoit treatment the early part of the year more or less erased them from history. Hey, remember that great tag team of Dean Ambrose and and uh, Seth Rollins, The Shield? You know? <laughs> no, 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 no. Now it's just, hey, remember that great tag team of Seth Rollins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And uh, it's 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 a deal in, in terms of this thing. So I, I'm critical in terms of that, that they should have had somebody built up by WrestleMania to take the title off of him. And, uh, yeah, God help us all if they try and go another year with him on top because it will be diminishing returns in terms of the ratings and any of the things they think have benefited from him being on top. But when I look at this whole situation here, uh, him winning, him going over again, there is sort of a dearth of guys out there who maybe uh, could be built up to even take him on. Again, Big E is a guy who could be if they, if they transition him out of the Intercontinental uh, thing into something else. Uh, Kevin Owens, they basically beat to death uh, in, in a feud with him. Uh, at a certain point, they'll do a draft and or raid NXT again to get more guys to potentially ruin uh, at the hands of their booking slash Roman Reigns. But it's a thing where I, I didn't like the outcome of it. Uh, Daniel Bryan, I think there could have been some juice 
and having him go for it with another run on top, but uh, they didn't seem inclined to want to do that necessarily. I will tell you this, the next time, because I didn't believe Roman was going over, because, again, even at this late point in time, I still sometimes give them too much credit. I didn't think he'd be going over because I thought they would realize how flat it would be. Silly me. But this is a thing here where when they're telling you what's going to happen, listen to them. Roman Reigns complaining ahead of time in a promo that now that it's a three-way match, I could lose the belt without even getting pinned, which I thought is what was going to happen. Anytime they talk about a finish, that's never the finish you get. I should have known he was going over the minute he said that, Jake. Yeah. Um, usually, when, even when it's the stuff that you know would make the most sense, yeah. if they put on TV, they're not going to do it. Yeah. It's very, very rare that they do the like. Usually that happens because somebody got mad backstage. <laughs> Generally, yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of the tropes that still exist. Like, you know, if somebody goes over on the Go Home show, they're pretty much, you can almost safely bet that they're going to lose at the paper. Yes. You know, yes. I, I, unless it's like certain people, like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. That, it's like the rules don't really apply to him. Yeah. But yeah, it's it, it, and it's reached a point now where I was thinking about this because you, you mentioned the idea of you know there's really nobody on SmackDown. That, you know, I mean they, they can drag they, they have a they have a clause in there that says okay we can have um, a reason for Edge to challenge at the next show for the title because he can, you know, they can say, I did see the Twitter thing you're referencing and Charles Robinson was saying, Hey, uh, I counted, uh, all four shoulders were on the mat. Uh, Adam Pierce was like, see me in my office on Friday. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's a, there's a thing, you know, you can set that up there and fine, they do that match. But once Roman goes over there, because I think we can all safely assume he's going to win that match too. Right. I think that is when we got to change things up and they got to do, do a draft and switch some things around and switch, switch some bodies or do some stuff. And, or here's another interesting one, too. If you're going to heat him up and, you know, we, we've seen the WWE do this in the past when uh, actually it was Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, and he first debuted. He challenged for the championship at the pay-per-view after uh, WrestleMania. What if they, what if, uh, they do with Cesaro? You know, if you're going to go with them, go with him. You know, see see how he does it. See how the crowd, well, they don't have a crowd now. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. They've they've been like, now we're back to having fans. Tune in tomorrow night on Raw when we don't have fans. Yeah, it's a little bit awkward. But, you know, in looking at this, it's a thing, too, where you can, by having Roman so far above everybody else, and like I said, that has happened mostly out of their failure to elevate anybody else. I mean, Big E, they've elevated in recent months although he looks like a geek losing the way that he did the Intercontinental title here. But it's one of these things where whoever beats Roman, like if it's Cesaro, and you know I'm almost laughing thinking about that as though they would ever put Cesaro over Roman Reigns, they still have a lot of building to do before that can happen because the thing of it is, when you have somebody set so far above everybody else, you diminish them greatly when they lose. Like, Roman would not lose as much if he lost the title to somebody built up as a near equal. If Roman loses the title to somebody still perceived as well down the chain, then that's not going to work as well. I always thought, and this is a thing where, and I'm always hoping that we get Bret Hart back on the show, because any of the times I've had him on previously, I've, I've always forgot to ask him this point. My, my theory is, when, and, and this is very counterintuitive to history, when he lost to Owen at WrestleMania 10, 
The fact that he got the belt at the end of the night, it didn't make up for all of the diminishing that was done to him in the loss. Reason being, I thought they needed to build Owen going into WrestleMania instead of being portrayed as he's clearly inferior, he's clearly inferior. He goes in and he beats Brett. And it's like, Brett's the world champion, but he lost to a guy portrayed as a geek at the beginning of the night. You, you, if, you have, if you elevate guys before they get a breakthrough, that's the way to do it. And they've got work to do to elevate anybody to be on the level to take the title from Roman Reigns without diminishing Roman Reigns and undoing a lot of what they've done to build him up over the last nine months. I, I hate to say this, but unfortunately, I think it's time, you know, you brought in the draft, that they need to change, you know, to use a little DKM scheme expression, kind of shake things up again, pal, because there's no real aforementioned challengers that, again, going back to what you said, that are credible based on the way they've been built. Like, yeah, uh, they could, you know, get the intrigue of Cesaro versus Roman Reigns, but there's no one that's going to believe Cesaro could win. Right. And Cesaro probably shouldn't win, you know, with the way he's been built up. Uh, personally, a couple names to throw in there that I think you could make for an interesting um, foils to Roman Reigns, if we're going to do, like, the draft idea, as you mentioned, either, you know, from Raw or uh, plucked from NXT. Um, I'll go with the one that plucked from NXT that has been there for a little while, that is currently free and clear, has a refreshed outlet, that being one Finn Balor. Yeah. Coming into as the prince coming into SmackDown as um, a potential challenger, you know he's got a fresh face, new gimmick, uh, spent a lot of time away. It's very easy. I mean, I don't even know if he was a heel down at NXT to be honest. I think he was a heel for like thirty, like a couple weeks, and he went right back to being a babyface. Right. Um, and then the other one is another guy we had mentioned earlier that had been kind of pigeonholed and um, missed WrestleMania and could be considered a, a, a legitimate threat to Roman. Size-wise, at least, that being one Keith Lee, yes, as someone could come in and you know, people would believably think, okay, this guy is, um, you know, he's the size and he can take him down. Finn Balor's not on the same size as Roman, but he has, I think, he has that credibility that the fans would believe it if he did it. Yeah, and the fact that you know he is a former Universal Champion and all that stuff, and him coming in and being gone for so long, I think it'd be one of those like, okay, hey, this is fresh and new again. I agree, and either one of those would yeah. be really excellent. Um, again, in my heart of hearts, I want to see it be Cesaro at this point, and I think, again, they still have some work to do to rehabilitate him. He needs some more wins on the way up the ladder, but this could be a thing where uh, maybe by the time of SummerSlam, that could be something people are clamoring for, and it uh, could be really interesting. And then to be able to play off of, and here's the thing, too, is that Heyman is so good at getting over so many different nuances of stuff the whole thing of Cesaro being in the background as a Paul Heyman guy, the whole time that he was with Heyman, that all Heyman was ever out there doing was promoting Brock Lesnar, which Heyman has acknowledged in shoot interviews and that it did a disservice to Cesaro. You can basically have Cesaro come back at him all these years later. Yeah, I was a Paul Heyman guy, and what did it get me at the time? That set the stage for the way I was treated all these years subsequently. There's so much to be mined there. In, in terms of that, that could really, really go well. So the, the storytelling uh, could be just really, really uh, magnificent if they let it be. And on, on the same topic, if we're talking about changing things up again, too, and, you know, different opportunities, uh, now that this has happened on SmackDown, uh, it's been a while since Daniel Bryan was on Raw. And the, the rumor has it that Daniel Bryan is looking to hang up his boots uh, sooner than later. Yeah. And a... What 
trying to go out and basically have Bobby Lashley break his neck in the hurt lock. Yeah. Because the whole idea is that, you know, he couldn't wrestle because of his concussion issues. And there's some, or you, you can even do the same thing with Edge if you want to, because his was neck related. So even if you want to insert, um, I guess the Daniel Bryan works in this because he's never, he hasn't been on Raw um, since he's come back. So some a fresh take to have him on Monday Night Raw and then, you know, build him up and get that shot and then, you know, have uh, Lashley take that. Have, hell, have him put his career on the line. He's yeah. saying, I'm done, you know? If I don't win the championship, I couldn't beat Roman, I couldn't do this. If I can't beat you, I'm done. And then Bobby Lashley legitimately, just not legitimately, but, you know, puts him in the hurt lock and he just, hell, they like to put in sound effects, put in a cracking sound effect. Right. <laughs> and that's, and then all the, the, the crack, and all of a sudden, like, Lashley just goes, Kark! and, like, the ref, like, springs to the belly, just drops him, and he gets carted off, and, like, stretcher, do the whole thing, put the neck brace on him, and cart him off, and he's gone. Well, the thing and with the mean, thing the thing with Edge is, uh, I know he legitimately wants to keep going. That is a shoot. How badly yeah, he missed that, this. That, yeah, yeah. That, that was my Brian scenario. Edge okay. Is a completely different one. That okay. Was, and you don't have to put the career on the line because whatever. But at the same time, you know, you talk about taking time off. Um, take some time off the, the Daniel Bryan scenario. You can even do the same thing with Edge. Get him in there and have him challenge. You know, you know, he wants because he's a main event guy. He was a main event guy. What here? Have and him here's... challenge Lashley and Lashley. You know targets his hurt neck, and it makes sense storyline-wise. Well, and how about this? How about this? You do that match, and then sometime after Lashley has lost the title to somebody else and can take that loss without losing the title he's already lost, then Edge comes back to get his revenge. That's the good time for it. Yeah. Is that you don't have to put the title on Edge at the end of this thing. You could have Lashley drop it to somebody else first. So, yeah, so there's a lot of ways that you can go. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in all of this, uh, I, 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 have, I will leave you with this, uh, Jake, uh, a, a laugh from this week in wrestling, uh, something that I stole off of Twitter today, uh, that uh, somebody uh, making the point here of uh, how, actually, you know what, I think this might have been, was this future Dave Meltzer? I forget who it was on Twitter. Somebody making the joke that uh, the guy who most wished that he was in Jacksonville this past uh, Wednesday night was Mario Ranallo, so he could uh, uh, so that he could shout out the following, Anthony, wake me up before you a go-go. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people might end up in Jacksonville pretty soon. Well, that's true. That's true. At, uh, <laughs> it's a moment, Joe. <laughs> so, it's, uh... I, I don't know about that one. I don't know if Joe's going to end up in Jacksonville or if Joe's going to end up back in, uh, back in uh, wherever they still impact that. I could, but then it doesn't matter because then they both go on both shows now. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, I, I, oh my God, what are the colonics doing in the impact zone? <laughs> you know, if someone's smart, they will put them back together. Yeah, they will. Obviously, fans want to see them. So if they're smart about it, you know, and I think, and again, Impact has tag team champions, women's tag team champions, I think. Right. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know. I can't find Impact. It's like impossible to watch. Yeah. So I watch, I watch Impact on their YouTube clips, and that's only like, you know, wrestling with no crowd was horrible before, but it's just, it's just cringeworthy. But it's like not usually good. It's like I'll watch a couple of different things off of there, but I don't go out of my way to watch it. Exactly. Because it's one of the ones where really the lack of a crowd has an effect on it. But, right. You know, I would I would watch a YouTube clip of the Iconics, you know, made their debut over there, and it would make sense for them to bring to bring them in. I mean, I feel bad for them. I hope they can do you know better things. Everyone's like, you know, with all the releases, 
you know, AEW, I'm like, AEW has like 80 people. I don't know what to do with any of them. They do. Other than Samoa Joe, there was nobody on that list that I went, oh, I can't wait to see, like, you know, uh, Mojo Raleigh, not interested. Mickey James, I want to see her in the NWA. Um, uh, other than that, I mean, I don't remember who all was on the list. Oh, Bo Dallas, I think they just remembered he worked there. Right, right. You know, the, the one the one thing here, uh, since they seem to love uh, the uh, 80s NWA booking, uh, you already got Sean Spears there, uh, perhaps with Tully as the manager, Peyton Royce as his perfect 10 in his corner also. That's a thought. Oh, that would be, that, that's actually not a bad idea. That is his real-life wife, right? That is. That's, well, that's, this okay. wasn't, this wasn't a random thought, Jake Digman. That's why I mentioned her. I, thought, I, could, I, could, I couldn't remember who was, that was, uh, that's not a bad idea at all. That's not a bad idea at all. That, Thank that would you. go uh, that would go over very, 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 very well. It, it um, would. If I have to give work for real ages. It would. That instead. Um that and you know, I guess uh, Chelsea Green got fired let go and I was like, I didn't even know she said Well, she'll be she'll be in the impact zone with her old man. I mean some of these ones you can probably we'll, figure we'll, where they're we'll heading. Welcome back, Laurel Venice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's a shame that every WrestleMania week seems to have to culminate with this, uh, waving goodbye to the dearly departed, who uh, hopefully will be making more money on the other side as the world returns to normal, but uh, we shall see. But uh, uh, the one thing, in, in the grim times of the pandemic, before and beyond, the one constant in this world is that whether it's uh, pro wrestling, MMA, or anything else we've talked, we've talked politics on this show, we've talked any number of things, it's always... A great conversation with my man, Jake Digman, the world's finest MMA ring announcer and great FDH Lounge dignitary. Jake Digman, thank you so much for your time yet again, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me, my friend. I thoroughly enjoy doing this, and uh, anytime you'll have me, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I love doing it, pal. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.